Hi, my name's Steve, and for the past 19 years, I've been part of one of the best communities on the planet, the military community. I served four years as a soldier when my wife Heather and I joined the Army to pay off some student loans, and when I got out, I became a full-time military spouse. I transformed into Mr. Army Wife. Through all of the moves, deployments, and different opportunities and struggles I've experienced, the one thing I'll never forget are the other military spouses I've had the pleasure of meeting. They're amazing, and I want you to meet them too. On today's episode, I'll introduce you to Jenny, Tiffany, and Fran, three military spouses I get to call my friends. It's the Mr. Army Wife and Friends podcast, and it all starts right now. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 18 of the Mr. Army Wife and Friends podcast. I'm Steve, I am Mr. Army Wife, and today we've got three great spouses joining me on the program. I'm going to introduce them to you in the order that I met them, and first up, she is my peas and carrots. We met at Oktoberfest at Fort Leavenworth, and I remember that because my wife said your name was Jenny, and I just said peas and carrots, and that's kind of how it's been since then. So everybody, it's Jenny, meet Jenny. Jenny, thank you for being on the show. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hi. Thanks so much, Steve. And you have such a great memory. Um, but yes, my name is Jen Hartsock, and I'm an active duty military spouse who is currently uh, with my active duty husband who's stationed at West Point, New York. We literally just PCS'd here. This is our fifth PCS in seven years. So we've been on the road a lot. We have three boys and a puppy golden retriever. Um, so that was interesting, moving in a pandemic with a two-year-old and a puppy. But we made it happen, and we are here in a sea of boxes still, but we're making it happen. I'm also a member in the Virginia National Guard. I just got picked up for the rank of lieutenant colonel, and I do serve as the state public affairs officer there. That means like you're the first military spouse that is also actively working for the military that's been on the podcast so oh, okay because yeah, i've had some i've had some veterans like fran when we'll talk about her in a minute yeah. but, but uh yeah so that's another first on the uh podcast yeah that's it and i like forrest gump too so there you have it <laughs> thanks for being on the episode and i can't thanks wait to have you as part of the conversation next up it is fran i met fran at ford store in georgia a few years ago when we were on the spouses club board together hi fran so good hey. to see you Hi, buddy. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. Um, okay, so like you mentioned, I was a veteran in the United States Army. I was a staff sergeant and got married to my husband. We met at Fort Riley, Kansas, and we have been married for 18 years. He picked me up at a fresh 21-year-old, and um, he had just turned 22, I think, or 23. I think we got married right after his birthday. So um, we've got two kids. Alex is uh, 10, and Connor is 14. We've got two German Shepherds. What else do you want to know? I mean, I just graduated with my master's degree, so... Um, yeah, that's, uh, I like to drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So if you ever meet Fran, just have some beer ready and instant friends. That's right. So there you go. Well, thanks for being on the show. And I can't wait to hear what you've got to say for all of the spouses out there. And last but not least, I met her earlier this year right here at Fort Knox. She actually lives about two doors away. So our dogs can hear each other barking through the buildings and outside. It's wonderful. Her name is Tiffany. Tiffany, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. 
Of course. Thanks for having me. So I'm Tiffany Davis and I have been married to my husband eight years this November. He's been in for 10. This is our first duty station. He's actually in the Kentucky Guard and we are currently on ADOS orders and um, hopefully it'll lead to an AGR position. That's kind of our long-term goal. We've got a two-year-old little boy turns three actually in two weeks and then we've got one on the way and then a little cocker spaniel that likes to bark at all the dogs around the neighborhood. Wow, we've got a lot of stuff going on here. We got the lieutenant colonel, the master's degree, a baby on the way. We've got, man, there's reason to celebrate male spouses all the time, isn't there? This is great yeah. stuff. Good job. Well, ladies, we're going to have a great conversation tonight, and I can't wait to talk to each of you. Fran, I'm going to start with you. What surprised you the most when you became a military spouse? Oh, goodness. I'm going to have to say, because I came straight out of the military and became a mom, it would have had to have been the adjustment to not knowing what to wear, what to do, you know, having a screaming baby, um, being by myself uh, was a huge thing. But um, as I look through it throughout the years, I'm going to say it's been the friendships. As a active duty woman, I was not a fan of the FRG, nor was I a fan of military spouses. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with complaining that I heard as an active duty soldier. Um, and as I became a spouse, I realized that it really wasn't complaining. It was concerns that people, you know, just wanted to be heard. They wanted to be heard and they wanted um, the friendships that I've gotten. They've just, they've been amazing. But that surprised you because of your it experiences. Did. Yeah, it wow. was. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a huge. It was a huge uh, surprise. I did not think that I would find a tribe of women that I would ever be able to connect with, um, just because I'm. I've always been a guy's a guy's girl. I guess you can say like I can kick it with the guys all the time, and I've never been able to have real good girl friendships. And that was something that yeah, it surprised me. It surprised that I had a lot more in common with girls than I imagined. <laughs> Tiffany, I kind of think that you're probably learning a lot as this is your first duty station and assignment, living on post and that kind of stuff. What has surprised you about being a military spouse? Well, actually, I am a military brat. My dad so did nothing. 32 Great. years. Yeah. yeah, so not a thing, actually. <laughs> um, I would say what surprised me the most is when my husband and I were dating, we thought he was going to go active. Life happened, and um, he chose the different route. And so I was anticipating doing the moving every two years, because that's what my childhood was like. It was what I was comfortable with. I loved the adventure, the travel. We lived in Europe. Um, my husband and I actually lived in Germany the same time. Uh, he was born there, left when he was six. I was there when I was two to six. We didn't know each other. And then we actually met in Fort Knox, dated in Fort Knox through middle and high school. And then life took us away and then didn't meet back up until during college. So the thing that surprised me the most was like the reserve and guard world. It's vastly different than the um, active side. So the active side, you're here and you get to commiserate and kind of be in the trenches with all of the spouses that are around you. And it's really beneficial to have all that support where he was deployed our whole first year of marriage. And I didn't really have that community around me. So I was still working full time. Um, I'm a social worker. So I was doing child protective services at that time. And so I was like in the trenches of child protective services and my husband was deployed and we were, you know, our first year of marriage and I just didn't have that community. So I really lacked in that and had to find the community through the guard side, which is much, I guess, more difficult because it's not right here. You know, you can't just walk out your door and find someone who understands what you're going through. You have to actively seek it out in, in different ways. So I think that was the most challenging thing for me to kind of learn. Wow, yeah. And I think, Jenny, you've kind of got some experience with that because you live both sides. You are in the National Guard. You're an active duty spouse. So, I mean, I think you kind of can understand where Tiffany's coming from on that. 
I can. I often feel just my heart kind of goes out to our guard spouses because I do acknowledge that they do not simply have the support systems like the active duty spouses do. And they can be, especially like in the state of Texas, you can think about it. I mean, they are spread to the four corners of the state of Texas or the state of California, these really large states where uh, they may not even have a family readiness center nearby. So definitely lots of challenges. Is Obviously, we are experiencing more of the virtual environment, hopefully more and more opportunities uh, to collaborate in a virtual environment, although never replaces the in-person environment, but may kind of help connect those spouses a little bit more. So Jenny, what would be the most surprising thing for you about being a military spouse? Hands down, the most surprising thing to me about being a military spouse is that if you had told me back in the year 2008, when I had married my husband, that we would still be fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, I wouldn't have believed you. Here we are in our nation's longest war. Our servicemen and women are still deploying overseas, which also means that the service members are also leaving behind a family who continues to grow. So when zero kids might turn into one kid, might turn into two kids, so on and so forth, um, and the kids get older. And so we're experiencing war or in many seasons of life, whether that be birth and toddlerhood, which is very interesting, um, adolescence and teenage years. So a huge surprise. Never thought we would still be at war, but here we are. Well, yeah, we haven't had that answer before. That's a pretty good answer. I don't think any of us could have foreseen being wow. in it this long. I mean, Heather and I joined five months before 9-11 because, you know, we were like, we're going to be broadcast journalists. Geraldo won't let us get closer to the war than he's going to get. And there is no war. There's nothing going on. Little did we know, right? Tiffany, what is your favorite thing about being a military spouse? Getting to meet all of uh, you crazy people. I would have never gotten to meet Mr. Army Wife had we not gotten this opportunity. I think that for me as an adult, I've noticed that growing up, I am really easily able to make friendships and then have a lot of distance, whether that's time or physical space, and then like maintain those friendships. And then it was difficult, like transitioning to like the civilian world when my dad retired. And I guess having a different connection, like people needed more constant I guess communication and I wasn't used to that. So I think it's really great being here and everyone understanding that life happens, life exists, and we've all got our own stuff going on, but that doesn't mean that we don't love and respect each other and we'll drop everything to um, help each other out as much as we can, however we can. And so I really love, you know, like that community support that we all have. And it's just kind of an undeniable like atmosphere here. You can walk out your door and not know the person walking down the street and it's, you know, they strike up a conversation and then you find out 15, you know, ways you guys have in common. And then there's another friend to add to your community support. Yeah, as soon as you do meet that person, you run right out, go back to your computer or your phone and see how many mutual <laughs> friends you have so that you, you, you know whether or not they're really a good person. How many of us did that before we did this thing together? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I might have Facebook you guys. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> nice. Uh, definitely. And Tiffany's gotten right involved with Spouses Club. She is one of our special events chairs and she's doing amazing there. And that was a great way for you to meet some people too, I'm assuming. Yeah, um, I don't know if you know this, but when you asked me to join, I really thought that I was joining for the board for the coffee group, which is where we met, which is like 30 people max. And then I go to the meeting for our first event and I was like, okay, like there's only four or five people here. But then I realized that was just for our board and then the whole board shows up and then I'm starting to listen to what we're doing and I'm like, oh, this is this is not what I initially thought. What did I get, my, what did I get myself involved in? But it's think, been really great. 
Yeah, I think Fran and I had that exact same conversation. when We did, I, several yeah. times, I think, actually. You were like, come on, stick it out with me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> yet, yet she did. She stuck uh, it out with but me. But I did, I did, I did. She's a trooper. <laughs> that's right. I mean, the friendships are great. And uh, that's one of my favorite things as well. Fran, what about you? What are your favorite things about being a military spouse? Man, it's best friends. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, these people know what you're going through. Um, there's a sense of community. Sisterhood is a big thing for me. And again, it was something that surprised me. I didn't think that I'd ever have anything like it before. And it's something that I will cherish. Like I'm going to Colorado to visit one of my first military spouse friends. And I can't wait. I'm so excited. And then my niece is now a military spouse and she's having her first baby. So I'm going to Campbell right after that to help her out, you know? So it's just nice. Like, okay, I'm in like linear Georgia, five minutes up the road. I've got a military spouse friend. We went and had dinner with them last night, right? No hot dogs or hamburgers in the camper this week, guys. We're eating good. (laughs) And, you know, just picking up where you left off. It's never awkward. It's never weird. It's just like, hey, oh my gosh, how are you doing? It isn't like time even passed. It was like you were just having wine on the back porch last week. That's what I love about it. It's all the friends for sure. Jenny, are you going to say friends? Do you have another answer for us? What are you going to (laughs) say? Yeah, I have to echo the friend sentiment. That is hands down number one. But if I had to add a different flavor, I would also say to another favorite aspect about being a military spouse that I just really embrace is the various perspectives that I get from living in different parts of the world, living in different parts of the country, being rich in diversity and various parts of, you know, history and historical sites that we can go and visit and understanding history at that time and so on and so forth. So I would definitely say just gaining a broader understanding of our world among us. I agree with you. The diversity is amazing. I mean, going, you know, through flight school, we had some friends who were from a different country. They were going through flight school at the same time my husband was. So it's just different at how you can cross cultures and have that diversity and still look at them like your brother and sister. You know, I should have actually captured this a little bit better than the mental capture that I did. But when we lived at Fort Leavenworth on our street, we had every service represented on our street. Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Army, and then our next door neighbors were from the Australian Army. I would sit there on my porch and I really soaked that in. I thought that was really amazing. And I think it allows our perspectives to grow. Not necessarily, like we don't change our minds. We, we might change our minds on some of our opinions and things like that, but it allows our perspectives to grow as well. Well, and I think that it, it, it maybe not change our minds, but I think most people that we come into contact with are very open-minded to listening mm-hmm. versus just whatever, it's my way or the highway. I mean, now you'll come across some of those people too in the military, but I think as military spouses, we're more apt to kind of just listening to each other and listening to each other's struggles and you know, like how we were raised in the past and why we do certain things. Um, I guess it's just that understanding. We all come from different backgrounds. And I think that's another reason that we are so open is that we get to experience the world in a way that not a lot of people are fortunate enough to do. I remember living on Fort Knox as a kid. I was going through high school and my street had a lot of foreign, I guess, leaders or something. So I babysat for a family from Canada, from Australia, from Oh, I can't remember. There's two other countries and it was just getting to be a part of their family. And, you know, their kids were constantly running up and down the street. And as much as we are all alike in a lot of ways, we're all not alike in so many ways. And that's beautiful. And I got to experience those cultures. I was enmeshed in those families 
and, you know, a part of their family more so than just a neighbor that happened to have bought the house down the street from you. And we get to learn about them and their culture and we get to see perspective, like first point of view rather than just reading it or learning about it. Yeah, I think if you stay in the same place for your entire life, you miss out on the opportunity to learn things from other perspectives and other cultures. Absolutely. Jenny, what do you struggle with? What do I struggle with? A lot. Right now, it's my <laughs> um, almost two-year-old. <laughs> I would say what I am struggling with is some of the cumulative effects that the war has on our family. My husband just returned from his 10th deployment. Now, mind you, four of those were prior to our marriage. Actually, we did one together and then got married thereafter. So we've done six together. We actually just celebrated 12 years of marriage yesterday. And in that time, yes. we've suffered, thank you, that we've suffered lots of health issues, as I, I'm sure a lot of folks can relate with myself, as well as the children, a miscarriage, an adoption, which was a beautiful journey, but it was very cumbersome because our adoption was stalled because of the effect of a, a deployment and a PCS move all at the same time. And so the cumulative effects of this long war is what I really struggle with. I'm really tired. I think some of it's affecting a bit of my health. As well. Sorry. Got a baby down, kids. baby down. Yeah, kids will be kids. <laughs> I, I think I was losing internet in the office, so I went into the stairwell and he heard my voice. I was oh, like, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. No, no. You're fine. You're okay. <laughs> it was just for effect. I said I was struggling with my two-year-old, and then all of a sudden, ah! It happens, right? As military spouses, we have That's to be right. ready for all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Fran, what do you struggle with? Honestly, I think I have become the old crusty spouse. And if you are an old crusty spouse, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, my husband has been in 22 years. Um, I'm 39 years old. I have older kids, 14 and 10. And so trying to make a connection with new military spouses has been very, very difficult. As I've gotten older, I've become a very introverted person. And I think I've always been introverted. I've just been really good at pretending to be an extrovert because it is exhausting. I struggle with becoming the crusty spouse. I don't want to be a crusty spouse, but, and I shouldn't say crusty. Let's say seasoned. I'm a seasoned spouse. Um, <laughs> We've used the seasoned word on this podcast before. Good because definitely a word for us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we go, we'll go and like to hail and farewells, and my husband's the highest ranking warrant officer, and I'm the old wife, you know. So it, I think that's my biggest struggle, and the fact that we don't move because he's special operations. So we're we're stuck here for the next eight years, and we've been here for six. And some people say, oh, that's such a blessing, but when you are an introvert like me and you have older kids, it's very difficult to meet new people versus traveling and moving to a new duty station, you're kind of forced into doing that. And I've come into my habits, my friends who are military spouses have come and gone and I don't want to make new ones. So <laughs> um, I know that that sounds horrible, but it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. And so that's my struggle is that I'm the old spouse and I don't have any, you know, <laughs> I told you I'd keep it clean. So we're going <laughs> to... You don't have to. Well, uh, well I have no fucks I'll to just, give. So there, we just, there we go. There we go. It's the first F-bomb on the Mission <laughs> podcast. And it would have to come from Fran. I would. It would have to. Absolutely. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm not. Nope. Oh, I'm... <laughs> Every male spouse is going to be like, mm, yep. Mm -hmm, no, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the truth. We are so caught up and so busy. I don't need 
a whole lot. I've got people that I can call on. Steve, you know you're one of those people. So I have people that I can call on. And, and if I want to, I can just jump on a plane and go because I have older kids. So yay. <laughs> That's right. Tiffany, what do you struggle with? Okay, so I listen to your podcast and I really tried hard to come up with something new. But I think I agree with so many of your guests before. I'm such a planner and just the unknowing. And you would think literally growing up my whole life, not knowing the plan. I think I became accustomed to like every two years we were moving. When we retired, like every two years I was redoing my room because I just felt like this itch to move. But then I think, you know, growing up and then kind of starting a life of my own when he went guard, I kind of anticipated doing life differently. And now, you know, we're on ADOS orders, which are temporary. So we don't know what the future holds. I'm a therapist, so I love what I do. But when he got these orders, I got the opportunity to become a full-time mom. So adjusting to that is, is huge. <laughs> Very huge. I'm used to talking to adults all day, and now I have my three-year-old. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> so that that's a huge adjustment. But I think, like you know, just the unknown. You know, like Jenny was saying, we're still dealing with the effects of war. Um, there's been many times where he's been told, you know, we're possibly going to have orders. Um, you know, you're gonna we're getting ready for a deployment. Our wedding, we had to completely. We actually were fortunate enough to have enough time to bump it up, but we got married um, eight months earlier than we thought just because of a deployment order. So it's just constantly kind of knowing our life, I guess, like revolved around the Army's needs. And I, I understand that. I walked into this marriage knowing that, and I don't, I don't regret that, or I don't have any negative feelings towards that. It's just learning how to um, cope with that and uh, go with the flow when you don't know what the rest of your life looks like. You know, I've heard other people on the podcast say, you know, you go to school or you go to, you know, vocational school, you get your trade, you get your career, you do your 20 years, you retire. That's not our life. And I'm so very thankful for that. I, I thought that's where my life was going to be when we first got married. So I appreciate this opportunity, but just figuring out how to, I don't know, go with the flow and not know what the rest of my life's going to look like. Do I need to go back and find a job? Do I get the opportunity to stay home with my kiddos? You know, all of that's in the air and it's just trying to juggle all those expectations and wants and desires and everything else that comes with that. Yeah. I mean, I understand that the planning thing, I must be built for this because I am not a planner. Like, unless I have a specific event to plan, and then I will plan every single detail. But if my life, yeah, whatever. I mean, Fran knows. I'll just kind of throw stuff together at the last minute all the time, and it tends to work. I mean, you know. If you build it, they will come, right? Right. <laughs> and exactly. if not, that's okay. They'll catch the next round. <laughs> <laughs> right. We'll always have another round. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Good point. Yeah, I think if we found out that Keegan got, like, the long-term orders and we went active, I would be very flexible. And I think I would be much more go with the flow and we'll go where the army goes. If that's every two years of move, if we're staying, you know, like Fran said, six to eight years, whatever the army needs, I think that would give me some sort of indication of what life's going to be like. But right now in this moment, I've got a three-year-old, I've got one on the way. These orders are temporary. So what does life look like when these orders end? Do I go back to the workforce? Do I get to stay home? I think that's kind of the biggest concern. And that's really how our life's been these last eight years, because he's had multiple orders. At one point, he had orders to go to Germany. He left. It was supposed to be accompanied, but I was going to follow him two years later, or sorry, two months later. And uh, a month and a half into it, you know, they said, we know that we promised you guys a, a company tour for two years. Uh, things changed. So he was in Germany for, I think, four months, Mr. Kiddo's first birthday, 
which, you know, things happen. Uh, he got to be in Germany over Oktoberfest, which I was a little upset about that I didn't get to join. But, you know, we were thinking we were going to Germany. At one point he had, um, not orders, but he was in the running to go to um, Djibouti, which I thought would have been really cool to go over and experience that. And those fell through. So it's just kind of like always tossing things up in the air and seeing what lands. Jenny, I would expect that you guys would have to be somewhat of planners, seeing as you're in the National Guard and you have to do your stuff and then he's active duty, so he has to do all the stuff. You know, how does that look for you? It's extremely, extremely challenging not to downplay those with no kids or, or kids that are five and under and are not school-aged, but it becomes a much more significant challenge as you are trying to plan consistent curriculum and sports and making sure you make tryouts. And then when it comes to yeah, me serving in the National Guard, it's, it's been quite a challenge. I'm very grateful for extremely supportive leadership that's allowed me to continue to serve in the Virginia National Guard no matter where we are in America. So I've been in the Virginia National Guard since 2014. And in that time, I've lived in Virginia, Kansas, Texas, North Carolina, and New York. So very grateful for that. But as it relates to, because um, I, 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 I definitely have dreams and aspirations. I, in fact, I'm a, a budding entrepreneur and, and very much want to establish some roots in um, various business ideas. And it, it's it's very challenging because we, we don't know if we're going to be in New York this time next year. Or are we going to be in Pennsylvania this time next year? Very challenging. But I'm also grateful for the opportunity, of course, for my husband to continue to serve and what he's doing and that I continue to to serve. So I always try to keep that in perspective, but it doesn't come without a struggle and a challenge. Fran, are you a planner? I don't, you're not no. much of a planner yet. Mm -mm. So. No, I'm not. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> I live life chaos, very chaotically. And I just kind of go with the flow of things. If I try to plan something, like I can plan a vacation. Don't, don't get me wrong. I will plan a vacation like it is no one else's business, but when it comes to like everyday life, no, you know, if we miss it, that's okay. It's not going to be the end of the world. If we make it, great. You know, uh, we call it Deerman time. It's usually 30 minutes after whatever's supposed to happen happens is when we kind of show up. So our friends now know, you know, let them know 30 minutes before it actually starts because then we'll be on time. So um, I am the epitome of what everyone hates <laughs> when it comes to people who are planners. I am just, uh, I'm not that person. I, I think life is too short to be worried about the, the lines and the in-betweens. Just kind of go with it because, you know, the kids are only going to be this little for so long. And we don't know what tomorrow brings for my husband because like you guys, you know, he comes and goes a lot. We have a saying above some of our family portraits that says, live like he deploys tomorrow. And that's just how we live our life. Jenny. Let's go this direction. What is something that your civilian friends or your family don't understand about your life as a military spouse? I would say something that is most baffling to, I guess, some of my friends and, and to my family members is how much military spouses are expected to juggle, especially when your your spouse is in a leadership role and you are expected to serve as the FRG advisor or the FRG leader. So not only are you juggling, well, just the fact that you're now a single parent and all the things of getting kids to sports and making sure that they're doing well in school and, and of course, keeping up with your professional obligations, but then also serving alongside other military spouses and doing it all while your service 
member is deployed. And, and that's not a complaint necessarily. In some ways, keeping really busy like that when a service member is deployed can most certainly be looked at as a blessing. But there are, I think, especially in higher leadership positions, an expectation of military spouse involvement. And, and so it, it's, it's a lot. Have you had friends or family say, man, just slow down. What are you trying to do? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. In fact, a lot of them have just been surprised that I would be willing uh, to, to serve in a role in my husband's unit when, when I, I served as his FRG advisor, when he was a squadron commander. To me, it was an honor to do it, but it was another thing on, on the to-do list, most certainly, uh, among many other things. I had just had a baby and it wasn't an easy delivery. And so recovering from that and two other children we had just moved to that location, you know, all the things, right? I know everybody understands what I'm talking about. And the, the pressure to do it, to say no is, yes, I had that opportunity. Could I have said no? And could I have turned down that role? Absolutely. But there's a little bit of pride involved. And I think there is an expectation. Um, and I don't know that family members who are civilians and other civilian friends quite get that, that, well, you just say, no, you, you just don't do it. You just say, sorry, maybe another time. Nope. There's only battalion command one time. So yeah, you can't really say no. Fran, mm -hmm. what about you? What is something that your uh, civilian friends or family don't understand? I think they swear Rob is a unicorn. They don't think that I actually have a husband. It's uh, where's Rob? Oh, he's gone. Where's he at this time? California. Where's he at this time? Louisiana. Where's he at this time? Tennessee. Where's he at this time? I don't know. You know, it's hard for me to keep up with him. I've got two kids that I got to keep up with. So um, that's really a joke. I mean, I do know where he's at all the time, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's really one of those things where like when I- But do he is a pilot, so he could just yeah. fly off. <laughs> just fly off. It was funny. We actually had our credit card information stolen while he was in flight school one time and USAA called us and they were like, uh, is Mr. Rob Dearman in the country or is he in the UK? And I was like, unless this helicopter can fly from Fort Rucker, Alabama to the UK in like 30 minutes? No, nah, man, he's here. So, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, they don't, where's he at? Why do you do this? How do you do it? But uh, when I do get to bring him out, I'm like, look, he is real. I promise you. Um, that's one of the things that I think a lot of uh, my civilian friends don't realize is that we do life alone a lot, but not alone. I have to say it that way. Like we are alone, but we're not alone. Like I'm not a single mother. I am a wife and a mother whose husband just has to be gone. You know, like any other civilian job who works on the road, I'm not a single mom. I have friends and family, you know, my military family that are going to help me get through whatever it is that I need to get through. And he's always a phone call away. And if he's not a phone call away, he's going to FaceTime me as soon as he has the opportunity to. I just need to let people know like, oh God, you're a single mom. No, I am not a single mom. I am a happy married woman who has, my kids have a father who are here. And um, we're, we're just lucky enough that he has the heart to serve our country. Tiffany, what about you? Um, I'm going to piggyback both off of Jenny and Fran. I think being a guard's spouse, we are much more in the civilian world um, other than when we're on orders like these. And a lot of people don't understand that you can't say no to the army. So when he is in his civilian job, when he's not on active duty orders, he is a middle school teacher. He was most recently teaching eighth grade math, which is not my forte, but um, he loves it. And, you know, he would get all of these orders and sometimes they're short and sometimes they're long. And people are like, can't you just tell them no? And when they don't understand that the army is not the uh, entity you say no to, 
it's difficult for coworkers and employers and uh, neighbors and friends to understand that we have to go where he goes. And it's not something that we dislike. This is the life that he chose. And um, like Fran said, you know, he has a heart to serve and this is something that he's really passionate about. So when he gets those opportunities, we are fortunate for them, but they don't come at convenient times. They don't come at when um, his employer needs them to come. They don't happen when it's, uh, you know, not, you know, we don't, we don't get to choose when the orders come around family events or friends functions. I don't know how many times I've showed up to events or parties or weddings without him. And, you know, why doesn't he just come home for this? Well, um, you know, he's across the ocean. He can't just make a flight home for your wedding as much as I'd love for him to be here. You know, I don't want to go to a wedding by myself, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast. And so it's, it's having people who don't understand this life kind of understand and support that versus kind of being not negative intentionally, just from a point that they don't understand that life. It's naive. really hard to kind of deal with. It. Yeah. Naive. Yeah, Thank naive. you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't think of the word. Um, <laughs> happens often these days with pregnancy yeah. brain. But um, yeah, I think it's It's just, a thing. It is it a really, thing. really is. <laughs> the other day I was trying to figure out what an omelet was called and I was like, an egg burrito? And they're like, oh, an omelet. <laughs> We're fortunate that like my parents and his parents are both active duty. So both of our immediate families are incredibly supportive of him doing this journey and us doing it with him. But extended family and friends just kind of understanding we go where the army goes. Rain, shine, sleet, or snow, whatever your events have, I'll be there if I can. Um, he'd make it if he can as well, but he can't just say no. If not, here's a really nice gift. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. All right, last question in this before we get into our article. What is your favorite military spouse moment? It's not a huge one, but um, my husband took command, might almost be three years ago, so he did two years of command. So he just recently got out. And um, at a change of command ceremony, our son is just obsessed with soldiers. I don't know, Steve, if you've ever seen him at five o'clock when they do, um, is it retreat? The little mm -hmm. bugle sound, he goes out and stands at attention the whole time. Anytime there's music, he'll, he'll tell me I have to stop what I'm doing, stand at attention. And so we were, of course, with all the soldiers at the change of command ceremony. And he was just beyond excited to be with all of the soldiers. So we ended up doing like a, a meal together. And he just did absolutely not want anything to do with me, to do with dad, and just pretty much ignored our existence all day and just hung out with all the soldiers. And of course, it was like the younger guys. So they're, you know, 19, 20. They're not married, don't have kids. And they were just so wonderful with him. So I think that's one of my favorite spouse moments as a parent. I'm going to asterisk that as a parent to really yeah. see him get to, you know, just love that. Because I remember as a kid, walking up to the random guy in the commissary or the PX, calling him dad, and was absolutely not my dad. So getting to see those moments with my son was pretty awesome. What's a cool moment? Jenny? Okay, so hands down, I would have to say the anticipation of the night before a return from a deployment. That feeling, it's literally almost like the same feeling you experienced <clears throat> the day before your wedding. And then, of course, the day of when you actually wake up and, and you know it's the deal. And it's just, it's so very exciting. And I don't know that anything can really kind of come close to that for me. Those are good moments. Those are great mm -hmm. moments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to jump in. Jenny, my husband, I feel, stole that from me. He coordinated with my boss and told me he wasn't coming home for another two weeks. And, of course, we're not supposed to know the exact details. So he's like, oh, you know, just another rough two weeks. 
coordinated with my boss and told me I had a work event. So my boss sent me to this conference that I was going to and, and he surprised me there, which was super sweet, but I had made like the posters and I'd had like the outfit, you know, and I was ready for like the bus and everything. And then I turned around and he's there and it was like, oh, this is wonderful, but my poster. So <laughs> I, was, I was glad that he was home, but <laughs> yeah. those posters didn't get to, you know, get to have all the credit of the hard yeah. work I put into them. <laughs> so the 3rd Brigade of the 82nd just returned from deployment this past March. And when they returned, we, and many of us, probably thousands of us, ended up having, you know, poster making parties. And none of us got to use them because they all came into quarantine. So when they would return from deployment, they came back to an airfield that was completely empty. They could probably hear cricket. And then were bussed out to various locations <laughs> throughout Fort Bragg in the field to quarantine. So none of us got to use our posters either. <laughs> it was really mm -hmm. sad. I said That's the same sad. thing when I found out he had to go to quarantine. I said, but what about the posters? <laughs> Fran, what is your favorite military spouse moment? I'm going to go back to the sisterhood. I really am. 2012, I found my people and we did everything together uh, while the guys were deployed. And then we got to celebrate with our guys at our ball when they came home. So that had to have been like one of the best moments, I think, with the military spouse period. Um, I mean, I've had some really great ones, like me and my best friends, we're all military spouses. We all have the same tattoo. You know, we just got the third one. She just got her tattoo finally. It's her first tattoo and we had to basically hold her down to get it. But that ball was like everything. I, my husband was an attack pilot at the time and I was doing the cab dance and yell with them. Um, and so, you know, it was just just small little things like that. The ball to commemorate the 13 months that our guys were gone and to have our hair done and drink champagne up in a room. And, you know, we had someone come up and do our hair and um, it was just a lot of fun. It was, it's a time I'll never forget. Hey friends, it's Heather, Mr. Army Wife's wife. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Mr. Army Wife and Friends podcast as much as I am. Steve and his friends will return in a few seconds, but first I wanted to ask you to share the podcast with your friends and family. There's a lot of great information in each episode and your help in spreading the word will make Steve's friends and your friends come together. You can introduce others to the podcast on Facebook and Instagram by searching Mr. Army Wife and Friends or just share the link on your social media platforms. We would really appreciate your support and now back to the show. Well, thank you for sharing your stories, ladies. I do want to get to the article tonight because we have a really good one. It is timely. It is relevant. And it's all about voting. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about a couple of military spouses that are running for office. Well, now we are going to talk about a responsibility that all of us have as American citizens and military spouses, and that is the right to vote. Uh, this article is in Mighty Mill Spouse. It is titled Four Reasons Military Spouses Need to Vote. It is written by Nora Lee Jones. And the link to the article will be in the show notes. So make sure you go and check it out. Uh, coming up in about two months, we will be voting for national offices, including presidents and senators and congressmen, plus state offices like governors and their state senators and things like that, and local uh, things like that. So Basically, I just want to know, ladies, what did you think of the article? And then we'll get into some other questions about voting and things like that. Fran, I know you 
probably have some opinions on this. No, um, I think that it hit the nail on the head with a lot of the subjects that she talked about when it comes to military spouses and voting. I think that it's something that we kind of think that it doesn't matter because it's an absentee ballot because that's what we're always told. You know, if you keep the same domicile and you're you're in a different country or a different state. But I think it's really important that people need to understand that from the superintendent of your school all the way up to the president affects our everyday life. It's huge. Even the small ones, a lot of people think, well, I'll just vote for the president. No, you need to start with superintendent of your school. But I really think that people need to, to know that your voice does matter, where you live, how you vote, your taxes, your property taxes, the pay raises that our spouses are going to be getting. It all depends on us voting. And if we don't vote and then you get upset because you didn't get what you thought you were going to get, well, shame on you. I mean, it is one of those things like, and I, I don't want to be like that person who's pointing the finger or, you know, judging in no manner or no way, but it is a privilege that our husbands or, or our wives fight for. And we should be the first people up in line to take that step. One of the things she says is active duty military spouses uniquely positioned between military service and civilian life are arguably as important to the election process as their service members counterparts. And yet it's sometimes hard to see the effects that our vote make, especially with current political climates in the election years. Jenny, what did you think of the article and uh, about what she had to say? So I thought this was so appropriate. From the years of 2010 to 2014, I served as United States Senator Kay Hagan's uh, military liaison. And she was a United States Senator from the state of North Carolina. She was also a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, and she was the chairwoman of the Threats Committee. So that's the, the committee that oversees all things special operations. I, I'm not saying the committee's name exactly right. Her military portfolio was quite robust. And so that's why she brought me onto the staff. And a few of the things that I kind of took away from that opportunity to serve alongside with North Carolina constituents, as well as with um, Senator Kay Hagan, is that really our engagement can be twofold. Not only do we could be engaged in areas in which we are registered to vote, but then also, so where we are officially constituents of, but we're also, we currently reside. So often when the Senator would come down to Fort Bragg, she just wanted to talk to a military spouse. She did not care if that military spouse was a constituent of California or Oklahoma. She just simply wanted to talk to military spouses because of what she did and her role of the Senate Armed Services Committee. It was important for her to hear directly from them some of the challenges they were experiencing, some legislation that um, she may need to address or propose. So I do think that, and this is also what I would encourage your listeners, Steve, is that there is somebody on a staff, for, at least for the United States Senate and as well as for congressmen and women at the federal levels who deal with the military portfolio. So I'd encourage listeners that if they do want to talk to their elected officials and let them know that they agree or disagree with certain policies or how they're voting or their record or different proposals you want to bring to the forefront, while you may not be able to speak with the member of Congress himself or herself, you will be able to speak with that individual on the staff that handles that portfolio. And let me tell you, those individuals are actually extremely influential on that staff. So I would definitely encourage you to um, reach out to them and then also be very familiar with the elected officials committees that they're on. So that's just some of the things that I thought of when I read that article and everything that she said was spot on. I haven't always myself been as active as what I 
should. And it is kind of difficult because then you kind of do have to feel as though you have to be involved in both. You're kind of straddling, well, I'm a constituent in this state, yet I reside here. But Fran was spot on. They affect our lives. And so, yes, more than ever, we need to be involved and we need to know the issues and we need to vote. Something else that we need to discuss is don't just pay attention to the ads. So many times we get pulled into that hype. You really need to do your research. And I mean, you can go to Google Scholars and find out why Trump tweets all the time. There's a reason on why he does what he does on Twitter. I was reading a scholarly article about that, but it's not just going to Wikipedia and finding it. You know, you can go to Senate.gov, you can go to Congress.gov, and you can actually look at how your constituents have voted in the past, because that is going to show their track record on what's near and dear to our Arts and what's going to help us and our servicemen and women. I would also encourage your listeners too, Steve, is that they can go to their members of Congress page. Every, every member of Congress has a landing page they're required to, and you can see their voting record there. But more than anything, I would encourage everybody to sign up for their emails. And, and I think some of them are so that you can drill down and say, you're interested in agriculture issues, you're interested in military, you're interested in child services, etc. So you may be able to actually tailor, you know, what you're receiving, or you can sign up for it all and you can get their newsletters and you can really keep your finger on the pulse of what your members are doing when they're going to be in the area, when they're doing virtual town halls, you can ask questions. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things the author, her four reasons basically are, we pick our next spouse's commander in chief. So we vote for the big guy or gal. We determine the Senate and House of Representatives, which kind of deals with what you were talking about, Jenny. And then we make a difference locally, which is talking about superintendents and county commissions and things like that. And then the fourth one is we become more aware. Tiffany, do you think you have become more aware since moving on post and becoming into the more active duty side of this lifestyle, especially this is like your first election on the active duty side? Yeah, so I was raised with the understanding that my father and, I don't know, multiple grandfathers above him and everyone that we were surrounded with is fighting for my right to vote. So I've always been really interested and always kept myself really educated in all of our elections. But, you know, I think that it's really unfortunate when people don't exercise that right that so many have given their lives for and our spouses are fighting just continuously day in and day out to continue to give us the freedom to make a difference. And sometimes it does feel like one vote doesn't matter. But when you say one vote doesn't matter and millions of people feel that way, that's a million votes. You know, I think that the article did a really great job at explaining the reasons why we should vote. I don't think that we as spouses necessarily take in maybe as much stock as we're literally picking our spouse's boss. That's always been something that I'm very familiar with. You know, I've always tried to educate myself as much as I can on every upcoming election. I don't vote straight party. You know, I think when you walk into the voting booth and you just check one box up top, regardless of what party that is, you're really doing yourself a disservice as well as, you know, your your fellow community members. There's a couple different websites that I kind of frequent, just kind of keeping myself educated because there is so much information out there. Um, so there's a couple websites I know that Fran was mentioning mentioning like a lot of like dot orgs and all those things and I think yeah all the dot orgs and dot govs are great so for like federal elections when those are coming up I often go to like votesmart.org and then for state or federal ones I go to voterly.com and then kind of 
for all of them, I go to vote411.org. And it's really nice because all of those websites do a great job of, you can type in the candidate's name and then you can look up, like how Jenny was saying, you could say I'm interested in agriculture or child, like you can look specifically at what that person has voted on and what their platform is on each individual topic. And then you can see like a general, like assumption of, of what their platform is. And I think when you go in, you know, party by party and one of them, I can't remember which one, literally you type in what county you're voting in or as you know if you're doing an absentee ballot where you're voting you know where your vote goes to it literally shows you the ballot that's coming up and then you can go person by person on your ballot from the superintendent all the way up to the president and say these are the two people on my party ticket or these are you know these are the two three people whoever is running and then you could say who is this person what are they about and then that gives me an informed decision not based off of ads or Facebook warriors. But, you know, I think that it's really important to educate ourselves. <laughs> hey, hey, Tiffany, can I ask you a question about those, um, those websites that you were talking yeah. about? Do you feel yeah. like there's any bias on any of the information that they put out there? And that's why I mentioned the .gov ones is because there's no bias. That's like a straight ticket on what it is. Um, yeah. Do you feel like there's any bias on one way or the other? Because I think that's something that people need to be aware of. Not every website should be treated equally because there are a lot of people that are out there that are going to do misrepresentation or they're going to give misinformation um, to people to sway them one way or another. So what's your opinion on, 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 a, on maybe a bias? Is there any bias on those websites that you mentioned? Yeah, I've definitely found my fair share of websites that do have biases. Yeah. And I know what platforms are really near and dear to my heart. So I don't need a platform to sway me. I want to know what the other candidates about because I do give them a fair share. Um, I have really strong feelings about like certain people, but there's other ones that I really don't know. Mm -hmm. So I don't want your opinion. I want the facts. facts and so yeah. the three that I kind of frequent, I find that those are literally voting record okay. uh, platform. And so I think that when it gives me just, here's the platform, here's the track record, then there's no bias. There's whereas no bias other websites who are not like the .govs very much have you know, well, this is their opinion and this is, you know, this is what they could do. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't want to know what they could do. Yeah. I want to know, you know, what they have done and what their intention is moving forward and how they're going to use that position moving forward, especially with this election being a president. It's so much about like the two people, you know, clashing. Well, I don't think that we put as much stock into the fact that we have a lot of seats coming up in both the House and the Congress. And that's a checks and balance that a lot yeah. of people don't acknowledge. And I think it would be stupid if we ever have all one party in all of those, because that doesn't represent our country and that doesn't represent us as soldiers and soldier spouse, nor the rest of the civilians. So I think that it's really important to have people with different perspectives and different goals so that way they can challenge each other and hopefully learn to work together and, and get things done. Sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. And it's very much about educating yourself on all of the candidates and, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us are guilty, especially as military spouses, in when we do get that absentee ballot, we don't know the names on the local elections. Like, I, I don't have kids. I don't really know who the superintendent people are. I'm more like phoning a friend. Hey, who do you want me to put down? Because I don't really have a horse in that race either, you know, yeah. because I'm not going to have kids in those schools. So things like that, but probably should do a little bit of research on them just to make sure that I'm not voting for the worst person in the world. Do you think it's hard for military spouses to vote sometimes? I think a lot of military spouses are confused. And I guess hard would be it because 
there's so many deadlines that a lot of people think, oh, it's just November 2nd, but for your absentee ballot, you've got a deadline of August 1st. And if you did not submit that absentee ballot, you know, then you've got to jump through hoops to get one. So I think that I'm going to say confused on what they're supposed to do. Um, not that it isn't out there. It's just that there's that, again, that misinformation that voting day is November 2nd and that that's what we all think. Oh, I just need to get out and vote November 2nd, but absentee ballots are a completely different other ball game. So yeah, we just ran into that moving here because we lived in Louisville, which is about, you know, 45 to an hour away. We went ahead and changed our address. I literally just moved an hour away. And when I put in information, it disqualified me from voting in the um, primary. So I couldn't vote in that, which was really upsetting for me just because I moved an hour away. And it was like, you know, some written rule that, like you said, it's not that it's not out there, you know, but you don't know until you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a, a couple of things. Fran said August 1st, but it's different for every state too. So yeah. Yeah. that is something that you need to take into consideration. Like for Florida, I just did mine. I had not passed the deadline, so I was okay for the uh, general election. But for the primary, I didn't change my address from Georgia yet. So I didn't get that. And then, Fran, it's November 3rd, not November oh. 2nd. Is it Don't everybody third? show up at your polling places on November 2nd. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's not, but it's maybe the third. I told you, I don't plan. I just show up. I'll call her out. I don't care. But well, I appreciate brain, that. I was like, okay, the second. Yeah. I got to put that on the calendar. No, no, no. It's the third. My bad. I, but I do like that you mentioned the deadlines. If you want to vote, you do need to find out what your state requirements are for getting yeah. those absentee ballots, because that is something that is very important. And then my final question on this topic, and I just want to hear from each of you, does your vote make a difference? Jenny, I'll let you go first on this. You worked for a senator, so obviously you probably believe that your vote makes a difference. Yes, yes, absolutely. Your vote makes a difference. And end by saying that never be afraid or intimidated to call a member's office. I know a lot of people would probably, you know, be worried to make that phone call. Nine times out of 10, the person who's answering the call is probably a 20-year-old intern. Do not be intimidated. Call, ask that intern or whoever answers the phone, you know, what is the member's position on X? You know, how did they vote, you know, for this position? Um, hey, there's legislation coming up that's being voted upon. I wanted to make sure that the senator hears that this is my position. And, and then you would vocalize that. You can do that. And I would encourage you to do that as well. But yes, absolutely. Our vote counts. Fran, do you believe your vote makes a difference? Absolutely. Whether you win or lose, it makes a difference because that was those checks and balances that we discussed a little while ago. Um, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Tiffany, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Fran. You know, the outcome, you know, isn't always what we want it to be, but that's okay. That's why we have that process in place. You know, I think that it's great to have different people, different parties with different perspectives, all trying to collaborate. So I think that if you don't vote, then you're not getting to be a part of choosing the leaders and it doesn't matter local or national. So I think that every vote counts. It's disappointing when your person doesn't win, but four years, two years, whatever the call is, try again. And I agree with Jenny. I'm very much on all of those calls, calling all the calling all the representatives. Um, now they make it easier. You can just like text a number and it auto-populates. Like they, it can't be easier to get involved in all of your elections. And it doesn't matter if you're for or against my party. I always welcome open dialogue and I love discussing politics. And so I think that it's great when people recognize the power behind their vote and, and actually get to go do it. And at the end of the day, this is what our spouses fight for. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's our given right. It's every American's given right. Yeah. So to omit that, it's not good. 
I don't believe we're entitled to a lot in this life, but I definitely believe we're entitled to vote. Hey friends, it's Heather again. I can't wait to hear this episode's description words and the advice these military spouses have to share. But first, I have to ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Whether you give Steve a five-star or a one-star review, he wants to hear from you. What do you like about the show? What do you think could use some improvements? Steve and his friends are all ears and would love your feedback. Thank you. All right, ladies, well, it's my favorite time of the show, and that's when we get to describe military spouses using our letter of the week. This week, it's Sierra. We're on the words starting with the letter S. I can't wait to hear your words for us. Tiffany, you're up first. What is your Sierra word? So I chose sanguine, and I chose it because it means a couple different things. It means bold and accepting. I think that when I picture all of the different aspects that I've got to be involved within um, the military, where we get to um, experience so many different people and types of communities and personalities, I think that at the end of the day, we're all, you know, just really accepting at our core and we get to know each other and you don't have to like everyone and you don't have to get along with everyone. But at the end of the day, I think we all respect each other and we get to find our group and that group we love and hold dear. But every everyone else, you know, we still meet them where they're at. And I've never really found a spouse that isn't at least willing to offer a helping hand when you need it. I think that's just such a powerful thing to be a part of, of our community. Sanguine. Sanguine. I like it. And I learned something because I don't think I've ever used that word. Jenny, how about you? What will be your Sierra word for us this week? My Sierra word is sharp. Sharp, when it's referenced to a person, is typically somebody who has quick or discerning intellect. And when I think military spouse, I truly think of a sharp man or woman with discerning intellect, where we can quickly discern who will be our tribe, our way of life uh, when we move to a new location, how to do life without a spouse how to do life without a spouse and having children. I feel like many of the military spouses that I've had the honor to, to serve alongside are sharp men and women. Yeah, we're sharp. Fran, how about you? What's your word? Oh, strong, guys. We are some of the strongest people that I have met in my entire life. And when we feel like breaking, there's a strong woman or man, you know, military spouse right there behind us to pick our pieces back up together and put us back together. They say that our kids are resilient, but our spouses are strong. It's physically demanding. It's emotionally demanding. But we come at it with a fierce intensity and we face the next day because we are strong individuals. Yep, we are strong. And I have a word for you guys too. And I'm just going to kind of take all three of yours and put them into one word that would describe a strong, sharp, sanguine person. And that is that military spouses are superheroes. Superheroes! I think we are. I think that when you look at what characteristics superheroes have in real life, there are people who are superheroes. And I've met a whole lot of spouses that are superheroes for their families, that are superheroes for their communities, and that are superheroes for the military service. And they just go above and beyond in so many different ways, including you three. So I believe that military spouses are strong, sharp, and sanguine superheroes. 
We have one thing left to do before I let you go. And that is, I just want to know one or two sentences. What is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Or what is one best piece of advice that you could give to a new military spouse? I'll start with Tiffany on this one. Embrace the mess that this life is. It's beautiful, it's brilliant. It is something that, you know, not everyone gets to experience. And I think that sometimes when we get frustrated with orders and deployments and coming home late and, you know, bosses and, and all the stuff that goes along, we get really frustrated with it and you kind of feel like you don't have a say. And that's frustrating for sure, but just embrace this beautiful mess that we are blessed to be a part of. Get involved, find the things that you enjoy and just embrace whatever, you know, the army throws at you. I would just encourage the spouses to definitely make space and to allow room to actually connect and not just do so in a Facebook group or some type of social media platform. Go and collaborate and meet in person. I'm afraid that if we just heard about the holiday of Christmas on Facebook or if you just heard and read about Christmas, you would never really understand Christmas, but you understand Christmas when you experience Christmas firsthand. That's that's how traditions continue and that's how they will continue to live is if you actually experience them in a virtual platform social media can never replace that who has it better than us you know who has it better than us in life who has it better than us in our family who has it better than us in the military um, we live a very fortunate life where yes there's a lot of sacrifices that happen but who has it better than us our spouses have that heart to serve and we serve right along there with them. So if I could say anything to anyone is just remind yourself every day who has it better than us. And we live a very fortunate life in the greatest country. Well, thank you ladies so much. That was great. I can't wait for everybody to hear your inspiring stories. Thank you. Thank you guys. Go. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mr. Army Wife and Friends podcast. A special thanks to Fran, Tiffany, and Jenny for sharing their great stories. Join us on the next episode of the Mr. Army Wife and Friends when I'll introduce you to more of the great military spouses I've met throughout the years. This is Mr. Army Wife. My name's Steve. I'm signing off and reminding you to be the change you hope to see in the world. Love you, Heather. <laughs>